Welcome everyone to today's devotion. We're in John chapter 12, which, although an oversimplification, does start sort of a, a new section. Again, if chapter 6 and 11 are types of climaxes, um, this will begin the, the last and final. So really, sort of the last half of the book. Um, we're, we're over halfway there now. So just a couple more weeks and we'll get through the Gospel of John. Um, but what we have here is the final week of Jesus, which is significant. Half of John's Gospel looks at the final week of Jesus' life. The other Gospels spend about a quarter to a third. You think about it that, that you live um, you know, 30 plus years and the um, at least a third of the of the content of your life is centered on the final week leading up to your death. Um, so remember that the Gospels are not biographies. They are Gospels. And although they are biographical in one sense, uh, their purpose is that you may know the cross and resurrection of Jesus and why it is so central, not just to the life and ministry of Jesus, but to um, salvation of the whole world. And notice that John 12 begins the themes that we've looked at six days before Passover. So we have another Passover reference. We saw at the end of chapter 11. Um, and so right away we are connecting that Jesus is arriving in Jerusalem amid Passover celebration. The city uh, just multiplies uh, incredibly. You can't get a hotel, basically, um, uh, because of Passover. It's a central holiday of the Jewish religion. And it is amid that holiday that Jesus is going to die as the true and better Passover lamb. Verse 3, Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus, wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with fragrance of the perfume. I spent more time on this a few weeks ago uh, on a Wednesday night. You can get it online, podcast and video, uh, looking at the story of Judas because Judas is mentioned in verse 4. What I want to highlight here is, first of all, this is the story that John referenced uh, in chapter 11, but he assumed in chapter 11 you already knew this story, just didn't, didn't know the identity of the woman here. Um, but what we have is Mary on the one hand is is um, using lavishly a very expensive ointment. Uh, this ointment would have been used for the uh, burial of bodies, um, uh, much like they would have for, for Lazarus. Um, but uh, perhaps they didn't use it for Lazarus because Jesus had, risen, had, had raised him from the dead before they, they could have. I, I don't know. Um, but this is a, a year's wage perfume. Very expensive. Imagine, take whatever you make a year, spend that on perfume. Uh, so, so this was a quite costly ointment here. But she does it in this act of adoration and worship. Uh, she believes Jesus is Logos. He is the Son of God. He is life and light, as the previous chapter demonstrated. Well, Judas complains, and Jesus ultimately says, verse 7, Leave her alone, so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you always have with you, but you do not always have me. Jesus is not against helping the poor, but in this moment, worship takes the priority. So what we have is essentially a, a, uh, um, a maximal level of love from, from Martha, um, or Mary, rather, and we have a maximum level of hate from Judas. One see, adores him, worships him, and lifts him up. The other uh, will ultimately turn to the religious elites and seek his demise. Well, if we can skip down to verse 12 for the sake of time, um, we get the triumphal entry. Don't want to spend forever on this. All four Gospels include the story, each with their own emphasis. Um, and uh, we've already seen how, how John... 
uh, reworks some of the order of things in the last week of Jesus, emphasizes different things. So in the synoptics, Jesus goes from the triumphal entry to the cleansing of the temple. In John's gospel, the cleansing's at the beginning. It's in chapter 2. So John is going to go in a different direction. You see there, verse 12, the next day. So so this would be Sunday. So uh, he is anointed by Mary on Saturday. Um, and and now it is Sunday, Palm Sunday. is why we still celebrate today. Uh, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. They took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. There's a lot there. It goes beyond our, our ability to go in some detail. I've preached in this text before. It's been several years prior, prior to our coming to Frankfurt. Um, but you see that the imagery is very clear. Uh, palm branches um, and and whatnot um, are symbolic of um, royalty. And so we see uh, something like this with the triumphal entry of the Maccabeans following the expulsion of the Greeks. We see similar imagery in the Old Testament. The riding on the donkey, as Matthew told us, and we, we, saw, we looked at Matthew in some detail several months ago, um, clearly in fulfillment of the Old Testament. I believe it's Zechariah. So what you have here is kingly imagery. Uh, we think of donkeys as, well, donkey from Shrek, right? There's a horse and there's a donkey. It's not the way the ancient world viewed them. Donkeys were royal animals. So we have uh, pictures of uh, the ancient kings like David riding on donkeys and having prized donkeys as well as horses. So this is all uh, uh, a royal imagery that we have here. And so so it's striking that it, if we break down John the way we have, uh, chapters 7 to, to 11, we're all about the rejection of Jesus. And we're still going to see that because it's going to climax in the cross. But we also see the people are beginning to embrace Jesus for who he is. And that belief leads to the rejection. Right? So, so what we see is culmination of all of these themes. Jesus is the life logos uh, light lamb. And Jesus is rejected despite that. People choose death, darkness, and blindness. Uh, and all of these themes are coming together in this latter half of John's gospel. Verse 16, his disciples did not understand these things at first. But when Jesus was glorified, spoiler alert, uh, they then remember that these things have been written about him and have been done to him. Notice John assumes the reader already knows what these fulfillments are. Again, I, I think his readers are probably aware of either Matthew or Mark's gospel that explain this in, in some detail. But but regardless, um, you have here um, that the triumphal entry prepares Jesus not for a throne but for a cross. And John wants us to see that the cross is triumphant. And it's triumphant because of the resurrection. If, if the travel entry is fulfillment of Scripture, so will the cross and resurrection be. Uh, going down to, to verse 20, uh, Jesus is now in Jerusalem following the triumphal entry, and he's teaching in, in, in the city. It says, Now among those who went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks. Now we need to pause there and say, Passover is a Jewish holiday, but, but the Jews welcomed in Gentiles as converts. And so they'd be in two classes. One would be God-fearing uh, Gentiles, and those would be proselytes. Uh, proselytes. Uh, proselytes would be those who uh, adopted all forms of Judaism, including circumcision and dietary laws. The God-fearers did not adopt particularly those two um, expectations. Um, and they were, they were fairly common. There weren't, you know, as many Jews, of course, but, but they did welcome them in. We meet some in the New Testament. Here's a few here. We do meet, meet others. Um, but you remember that the temple has a place for 
the priests, where only the priests go, particularly the high priests, a place for Jewish men can go, a place where all Jews can go, and a place that uh, all people can go. But you can't go farther. So if you're a Gentile, you don't go past a certain barrier, right? Or you could be executed for that. That, that becomes an issue in, in, in Acts. We'll get to Acts eventually, no doubt. Um, so these came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and asked him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. I've talked about Philip some detail on our Wednesday night Bible studies recently. Verse 23, Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it. Whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. Where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Notice here that when the Greeks come to Jesus, what is the first thing on Jesus' tongue? the cross. And so he, he'll say there that a seed goes into the earth and it must die in order for something new to rise. And this is a picture of the cross of resurrection. Jesus goes to die. That's not the end of the story. That's only the beginning of the kingdom. right? And so when Christ is risen from the dead, now we see the fruit of Christ's ministry and his finished work upon the cross. But, but notice what he, where he goes starting in verse 27. Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose I have come to this hour. And it is there that uh, the Father speaks publicly and everyone hears it. So in the synoptics, God speaks at the baptism. Here, uh, John wants Jesus to speak amid the, the Greeks. But you, you see uh, his soul is troubled, much like in the synoptics, his soul is troubled at Gethsemane. Here is in the context of the nations coming uh, to, to Jesus. Um, he says, but my goal isn't to be saved from the hour that awaits me when a seed uh, dies in the ground and, and springs to life. Uh, but rather, he says, it is for this purpose I have come, so that by my death and resurrection, the nations will come. Now, this is the point of the, the Greeks coming to meet with Jesus, is that here is Jesus in the Jewish uh, city of Jerusalem, the capital city. And who is it that is coming to Jesus? The, the nations, the Greeks are coming to Jesus and believing in him. Look, this is where Israel erred. Israel was to be a light among the nations. And so the idea was they were to come and see that God's law reigns supreme among the people and what that looks like. So Israel was to be a new Garden of Eden, and the temple is modeled after the Garden of Eden. The problem is, is that instead of uh, Israel being a, a light to the nations, too often the nations were a light unto Israel. Same problem that the church has today, particularly American evangelicalism. But Jesus comes and he says, it's, it's not just that the nations would gather to me, but that I would send uh, my people to the nations. And here is the first step of that. The nations are gathering to Christ and believe in his, his name. It's for this purpose Christ has come. Verse 32, and I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. That's the point. He said this to show by what kind of death he was going to die. In his death, the nations will be united. So what we have here, we'll see this in Acts whenever we get to it, we have a reversal of the Tower of Babel. At Babel, you have unity that, is, that, that leads to diversity. In the cross and resurrection of Jesus, in the gospel, you have diversity that is brought together in unity. So, though you have Greek and, and Jewish, though you have male and female, though you have slave and free, though you have young and old, whatever it might be, you have unity 
uh, that, that doesn't deny diversity, but celebrates diversity all under the banner of Christ. We, we talked about this in some detail in the book of Ephesians. Verse 35, the light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest the darkness overtake you. The one who walks in darkness does not know where he's going. While you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of light. Notice here that this is a return to the theme of light. Now, the, what's dominated this chapter is lamb language. The Passover is, is what is being anticipated, but Jesus is going to die. This is lamb language. But you see that in the lamb language, we have themes of light coming our way, right? Which, which, is, which is to be expected. And as a result of coming to the light and the, the, light and the lamb, you get eternal life. Um, and then uh, this is developed at the end, starting in verse 44, but I want to read verse 46. I have come into the world as light, very explicitly stated, right? We have followed this theme throughout the gospel, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, remember, notice they're deaf. We, we've talked about this. They are deaf, therefore they don't have light. Uh, I do not judge him, uh, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. The one who rejects me and does not receive my word has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment. What to say and what to speak. And I know that this commandment is eternal life. So notice, we have lamb language, the Greeks come and all that. Then we have light language, I've come as light into darkness. And now we have... Um, um, life language. This commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. So, at the center of it all is the cross. The cross, though, is great darkness, and John is going to emphasize that. But Jesus dies amid darkness and death. He, 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 he gives life. He gives light. He gives hearing. He gives himself as the Lamb of God, which, as the Logos, we get salvation. Jesus didn't come to judge the world, but to save it. And he saves it by opening eyes, opening ears, raising people to, to life, giving freedom, all by dying himself. That's the good news of Jesus. Lord Wheeling, tomorrow we'll see you here, chapter 13.